Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie Apps, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, October 21st, 2015. Today we are reading from the big book. We're in the doctor's opinion, and we are at page XXVIII in the fourth edition, paragraph, the last paragraph. Uh, Today's readers are Penny C., Rachel N.M., and Deborah S. The reference number for Tuesday, October 20th, is 8132. That's 8132. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. Excuse me, someone is unmuted. If you could please make sure you're muted. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lois M. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. Uh, This is Lois M. recovered in Massachusetts. Very grateful to be on the line today with you. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. This is Amy W., compulsive overeater from California. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be recognized. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> recognized. OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you so much. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions of recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two of the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your share to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topics. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study on the big book, of the big book on page XXVIII, the last paragraph. And I will ask Penny C. to begin reading. Good morning. Thank you, Katie, and thank you, everybody on the line. This is Penny C. I'm a recovered compulsive overreader in Massachusetts. Men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. The sensation is so elusive that while they admit it is injurious, they cannot, after a time, differentiate the true from the false. To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. They are restless, irritable, discontented, unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort which comes at once by taking a few drinks, drinks which they see others taking with impunity. After they have succumbed to the desire again, as so many do, and the phenomenon of craving develops, they pass through the well-known stages of a spree, 
emerging resource, remorseful with a firm resolution not to drink again. This is repeated over and over, and unless this person can experience an entire psychic change, there is very little hope of his recovery. On the other hand, and strange as this may seem to those who do not understand, once a psychic change has occurred, the very same person who seemed who seemed doomed, who had no had excuse me, who had so many problems he despaired of ever solving them, suddenly finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol, the only effort necessary being that required to follow a few simple rules. And um, what I'm seeing in, in this paragraph, I just have to mention the first paragraph just for a second to say that that left me with a sense of hopelessness. And I remember being in that state. But now we move on to the second paragraph I read. And what is it in great big letters? There's hope. There's hope. And is, isn't that why most of us stay in in 12-step programs, especially in OA, because now that we found something that we 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 think is going to work after all the things that I'm going to speak about myself, and all after all the things I tried, and that psychic change occurred. The psychic change referred to here is 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 another way of saying a spiritual awakening, and and I can I can tell you for myself that this this paragraph says to me this is why we can call ourselves recovered because we emerged from a state of being doomed to this disease and and never having a normal life again and and being controlled by the food and then we come to we come to OA and we we join the fellowship we get the support of of our fellows, but more importantly, we dive into those steps, which are the few simple rules. And once we follow those 12 steps, we find, we find our higher power. And we, when we turn our will and our life over to our higher power, and there's no longer a sense of hopelessness. And, and that's what being recovery is, being recovered is. That that my my spirit is changed. Um, the way I respond to life is changed, and uh, you know what 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 more can I ask? This is this is a this is an amazing paragraph because in so so short um, a sent a paragraph it tells me so much about what happens and what did happen to me and millions of other people across the world in 12-step programs who follow these 12 steps and, and, and become recovered. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Penny. And we will focus our comments on that second paragraph, On the Other Hand, the good news. And who would like to share on that paragraph? Reva P. Kim G. Okay, just hold on one second. Um, I have Nessa R., Larry K., Melissa C., Reva P., uh, Julie R., and Bassa O., Kim G., 
and Vasa O. Let's go with those. Did I miss someone who spoke up during that time? Hearing none, let's go with Nessa R. Nessa, whatever. Hi. Good morning, friends. This is Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. I am so grateful to be able to be live on the line this morning, especially since we're reading such an important paragraph. You know, um, this paragraph says that once the psychic change has occurred, you know, the person is a different person. Um, so the NASA I was before I was recovered would definitely binge again uh, and indulge in my compulsive overeating behaviors. But the NASA R that I am today after recovery will not. And so what, what is this psychic change? For me, it is a personality change. It's a change in the way I think, in the way I speak, in the way I act. And how did I get there? I got there through by following these simple rules, you know, which are the steps. Because how can I change the way I think? I, I've been practicing the way I think for decades, and I'm really good at it. So now I need to start practicing something totally different. And this is where the steps come in. Steps 1 through 9 teach me a new way of thinking. And steps 10, 11, and 12 help me practice that new way of thinking. So if I go through steps 1 through 9, but then I don't practice, then I haven't achieved anything because the old thought patterns, which have been ingrained in me over decades and decades of practice, um, are going to take over. So I need to practice something new that will displace those thinking patterns. And, and I was thinking recently about um, an example of that in, in my own life. You know, like I've done with food what everybody else has done with food that's on this line. I've endangered my life, you know, gone out in the middle of the winter at 2, 3 in the morning to an area not so good part of town to, to just because that's where my binge food was. And I didn't do that only once. I, I did it several times, many, many, many times over and over again without even thinking twice about the consequences. But now, now I can differentiate the truth from the false. And, you know, I use this very, this very example whenever I, I get a chance. You know, about a year ago or so, um, I was picking up my daughter from school, and she came into the car eating this tree that she had gotten from her teacher, and it smelled delicious. And the way she was eating it and savoring it looked so inviting. And I looked at it, and I thought, oh, it would be nice to have one of those. But then my new way of thinking kicked in and said, yeah, Nessa, it would be very good to have one of those. But one would not be enough. You have to have 12 of those. And then you'd have to go to the supermarket to get something else to counteract the sweetness of this. And then, you know, you would have to go to the bakery to counteract the saltiness of what you just ate and on and on and on and on and on. And it would not end. So, yeah, while it would be good, nice to have one of those, you cannot have just one of those. So that means you cannot have even a little whiff of it. And sanity returned. And why? Because I practiced my new way of thinking. I practiced steps 10, 11, and 12 every day, every moment of my life. And, you know, that's why it says here, uh, the only effort necessary being that required to follow a few simple rules. It is a must. It is a must to practice 10, 11, and 12. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much. And Larry Kay, you're up, and then Melissa C. 
Thanks uh, so much for your service. Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsible Reader. So yeah, it, uh, it certainly seems strange, this notion of a psychic change. And you know, what is that entire psychic change that lifts us from this disease? Well, you know, the bottom line, you know, is that the 12 steps when practiced with rigorous honesty um, result in ego deflation. In other words, these steps enable us to move from a self-centered consciousness to a God-centered consciousness. So there's some sort of fundamental shift in how we view ourselves in relation to our higher higher power and and also uh, in relation to the people around us. You know, when we're sufficiently right-sized, as a result of this process, we no longer need or want the food. And by the way, to be right-sized isn't just simply to be knocked down a few rungs uh, on the ladder here. Yes, some, you know, sometimes the person who was grandiose or, or judgmental felt superior to others, they were brought into alignment with their higher power by learning that they're, you know, they're merely one person among many. Yet how about the person you know, who felt you know, they were unworthy? less than, inferior to others. Indeed, they were right-sized by the steps as well. And so once this process of process um, takes hold, you know, it's a, a process of change in these steps, you'll never be the same. You know, Dr. Young in the big book, you know, reminds us that our ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding force of our lives, are sufficiently cast to one side. So something else takes center stage. So self-absorbed, not anymore. You know, self-centered, no, I'm I'm God-centered. You know, fear-based thinking, no, my cognition is is full of courage and hope. Judgmental, no, that love and compassion and and tolerance are my code. Your your life will no longer be one of, you know, crisis and, and confusion and despair. You'll no longer be depleted of energy and, you know, and having sort of hand-to-hand combat with this disease day in and day out, when God changed me as a result of these steps, I no longer wanted the food to numb me out from all that tension generated by the imbalance of my life. And the imbalance was not in the food. It was between my ears. You know, it was, it was, it was not external. And for me, there was nothing quite as miraculous in my experience then to be emotionally rearranged by God. You know, I don't have an overabundance of rules in my life, just a few simple ones that I like to follow that were suggested to me many years ago as a program of recovery. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry and Melissa C. You're up. Hi, good morning, Katie. Good morning, I can hear you, but it does. That's not you. Yes, it's very loud. Everyone, please mute, except for Melissa C. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, God, you know, um, I just, those two paragraphs, you know, I'm so glad we read the other one for context because, that I need to. Um, that's the the crazy contrast that that has occurred in my life. That I went from, um, you know, completely um, taken down by this disease, you know, without hope of being able to um, to control this, to 
now, just following a few simple rules, it's not that I can control my food, my eating. That remains the same. But it's my desire that's been controlled. And that's just incredible to be um, at a place where the food does not interest me. You know, I can see it. It can it can smell good. It might even look somewhat appealing, but it's like I, I see the truth in that food. It no longer um, holds this, I don't know, this, this, this lie for me. You know, and I almost think like it's like a lousy boyfriend that for years and years <laughs> you just keep taking back because you don't really see its faults. And, um, and then once you do, you can't help but see its faults. And that's sort of, you know, what happened to me with my compulsion. And so now I follow a few simple rules. One, you know, is is my abstinence. I can make no mistake that I know um, I cannot pick up um, any of my bitches because it's not that I can control them, but my desire for them to control. And the other, you know, the other simple rules is that I live according to these steps, that, um, that I am not the center of the universe anymore, that my purpose um, is to be of service, is to um, bring something rather than look for what I can take out, and um, and to stay honest and humble, and um, yeah, and to just and to live this way, knowing this way is such a gift, such a blessing. Thank you, without a doubt. Thank you, Melissa and Reva P. You're up. Good morning, Katie. This is Reva P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Um, I need to share on this paragraph because it really speaks to me this morning, uh, talking about a psychic change. For me, what this um, means to me is once the food is down and once I'm not triggering the physical allergy, um, it's my thinking, um, psychic mind that drives me back to the food because I feel doomed and I feel like I'm overwhelmed with all the problems in my life. And I just want to relate that yesterday we had issues with uh, the car. Um, And, you know, now it's so interesting, typical compulsive overeater. Now that my mother is medically more stable and managing, I'm finding smaller things are really uh, triggering old thought patterns. Um, So we had one set of news, we had a second set of news, and then someone called later at night and said it was all different and the price was increased, um, I don't know, 20 times um, from being covered on warranty to actually paying for all these repairs. And my psychic mind, my thinking goes, I'm doomed, they are so powerful, Um, I have no way out, Um, I'm a victim here. Um, and all my old beliefs that I've uncovered in steps one to nine. So working the few simple rules means going back and doing 10, 11, 12. And it's effort, and I needed to make the effort, but it wasn't, diff- it wasn't hard work, it was just effort. And following the few simple rules last night, I actually slept instead of rehearsing what I'm going to tell the car repairman at 4 o'clock in the morning, which is what I can do. Um, And it is so miraculous. And, you know, to those who do not understand, I understand now not so much like when I first read this paragraph, which gave me tremendous hope, but I understand from experiencing it 
how miraculous this is, and I am so grateful for the change in the thinking. It's the thinking that drives me to um, feel like I'm doomed and the food just looks like a really great solution then. Um, And I'm just so grateful. With that, I pass. Thank you so much. Julia R., you're up, and then Kim G., then Vasa. Hi, this is Julia R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. Um, to me, one thing that stands out when it talks about once a psychic change has occurred, you know, well, what is that? I mean, yeah, I know I'm going to think differently. I'm going to act differently. But it's the change in my soul as well as my mind, as well as the words that I speak. But it's what is in my heart now. It's instead of that first thought is what's in it for me, it's, well, what can I do to help another So that's key for me because that happens, you know, almost automatically once that I continue to be free of the, you know, obviously the food. But each day that I live in a recovered state, I get to to awaken, you know, to that true source of who I am. And I can't do that if I'm obsessing about the food. So, you know, for me, I am not that same person who was, I don't know, 14 sizes bigger. and not just by size, but to me what's more importantly is that change that has occurred from the inside out. And, you know, yeah, I do bake constantly. I do go to buffets, but I bring my scale, and, and I don't white knuckle. It's just another part of my life. I mean, why do I bake? Well, I bake to be of service to my family and to my friends. You know, it's going to be the holiday season, and I bake, you know, 3,000 cookies, but I do it out of love. I don't do it um, like I used to do it years ago where I would be eating half of them. And it's like I have bowls of candy for all of my engineers because they like candy. But I don't want any. I just fill up the bowl. It's why don't I want any? Because I am not that same Julie. And, And it says once a psychic change has occurred, not, you know, halfway through the steps or on step two, it's once this has occurred. You know, I certainly wouldn't have had bowls of candy on my desk if I was in the middle of step one or step two. Uh, The freedom that comes by having a psychic change, there's nothing that can match it. I mean, my family and my friends will look at pictures of me, you know, eating or whatever and and, or the way I used to act. My husband and I had this uh, conversation the other weekend. You know, I am like a totally different person. And I am a totally different person because I am recovered for today. But, you know, what are those simple rules? You know, it's constantly doing that spot check inventory. It's doing nightly reviews. It's prayer and meditation throughout the entire day. And it's working with another fellow and being a service to family and friends. That's the only way that I'm going to stay um, a changed person. It's the only way that my soul is going to be clean. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Julie R. And next we have Kim G. Denbasa. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Once a psychic change has occurred, the very same person who seemed doomed, who had so many problems he despaired ever solving them, suddenly finds himself able to control his desire for alcohol. You know, the desire we talked about, succumbing to the desire in the prior prior paragraph, and now we're saying that we're easily able to control the desire. 
And that desire is the mental obsession. You know, when it talks about a psychic change, it's not talking about being abstinent. It's talking about the mental obsession being removed through this recovery process of the 12 steps. You know, this makes me think about my own experience in Overeaters Anonymous. And just to turn to page 567, when it talks about that spiritual experience, that psychic change, it says what often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. And that's what I tried for many years in a way, was years of self-discipline, trying to control the food. My personal experience is I spent 17 years facing the food, putting it down, facing the food, and fighting the food, fighting it with a new food plan, a new sponsor, more meetings, more phone calls, and the food just controlled me whether I was absent or not. When I finally got to the point, like it talks about on one page, page 152, where I couldn't live with the food, and I couldn't live without the food. And I was presented with this big book as clear-cut directions. What I did was I put down the food and I faced the solution. And I worked the solution with every ounce of energy I had. And in a short period of time, six weeks, I had that psychic change. And the miracle I experienced today is not that I can now moderately eat my binge foods. It's not the experience that I can now indulge once in a while. What I experience is my desire has been removed. My obsession has been removed. The, the desire to eat is gone. I do not want my binge foods. And if I don't want my binge foods, I'm not going to eat my binge foods, which means I'm not going to trigger the allergy. Because believe me, there's a big difference between the freedom of the allergy not being triggered and the freedom of the mental obsession being gone. Often we hear in meetings, I said it many times myself, two, three weeks out, feeling better, yay! God has taken away the obsession. If I haven't done a step, God's taken nothing away. What's happening is the, the allergy's not being triggered, and there's a freedom in that. There's a freedom in waking up easier, and my stomach not being upset, and understanding people better because I'm not in the food fog. But that is a temporary thing because the mental obsession is going to come in, and it's going to slam me, which is why we have a lot of people celebrating 30 days and very few people celebrating 60 days. So I just want to stress again, once the psychic change has happened, which is not abstinent, it's the, it is the mental obsession being gone, we're suddenly able to control the desire, which means through this process, I will no longer want my binge foods. And that is a miracle I experience on a daily basis. And with that, I pass. Thank you. And Vasa, oh, you're up. Hello, this is Raquel calling from Israel. Whenever you can get me in. Okay, Raquel, you'll be right after Vasa. Okay, thank you. Yes, thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Katie, for your service. And I'm Vasa O, Grateful Recover Compulsive Ovita, calling from Massachusetts. And yes, uh, when I came to the, cro- to the programs, I was doomed by the time I came to Overeaters Anonymous. Whatever I did for 25 years of my life, it just did not work. And it's not like I didn't try to do. I you know, I did everything that I heard other people did. And there were a few things I wanted to do, but I was too afraid to do. Like I, you know, to have uh, the bypass done on my stomach or, you know, and go to hypnotist or whatever. But again, and uh, I did not know what psychic, cha- psychic change was till that psychic, psychic change happened to me when I was ready and willing to surrender in my desperation on my knees 
to God and to ask him to please help me. I couldn't do this anymore. And before I came to surrender to God, I had given in into the food because that was it. There was nothing left for me to do. And this was my last stop, you know, coming to OA, the big book, the problem that I understood, the solution, the mental obsession, and then working the 12 steps. Uh, and I was beginning to do what I couldn't do before. And I remember saying, how could this, how could this happen? Well, God started doing for me that I couldn't do to myself. It was just so amazing. I just needed to surrender. But I remember saying, but, but God, how could I live for the rest of my life with all these binge foods, all these alcoholic foods that I've been using? And, you know, I kept on hearing only one day at a time. I don't even want those things in my life today. I would be dead today. So I had a second chance to life today, you know. I'm, I, you know, this year is a bonus to me being in the program and working the 12 steps and also giving it away. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you. And Raquel, you're up. Hello. Hello. I don't know if you can hear me. I can hear you. Oh, wonderful. I don't have to unmute. Hi, hi, Kathy, and hi, everybody, all my dear brothers and sisters on the line. I can't wait to meet you all. These are the two, I think, most important paragraphs in this. I don't know. Everything looks so important, but these two, summing up the disease, the terrible demoralization that I remember of, of again and again and again doing the over and over again, uh, the, the falling, the, the relapse, relapse, I mean relapse, slip. I, I, I've never gotten up from, you know, it was all progression of, of, of coming towards surrender somehow, but, you know, it's like somebody says, you know, I, you have to get off the floor in order to fall. If you are sprawled out on the floor, where are you getting up from and where are you falling back to? There was no recovery. And now, gradually, oh, I, I have no words. It's uh, this, this strange thing. It is strange. It is strange that there comes a moment when I am either elated or depressed and that I get that second of pause, the pause of being able to say, Raquel, what are you exactly hungry for right now? What's going on? You know, let's go sit down and write a little bit. And I'm so not good with the computer that my my cut and paste is that I really print out things and then I cut them with scissors and I then I paste them into my notebook where I'm writing things. And the things that are coming from different places, different lines, um, um, loops uh, in, uh, on the Internet, such good words. Every one, every one of you here and in uh, and vision speaks precious, precious gold and jewels about how how great it is to to finally get that news off my neck. And I'm grateful, very grateful. I I have a question about this uh, able to control his desire. I guess for want of another word, because it's not control. It's, it's not having the desire. Control 
was when I was white knuckling it for 30 years and I didn't know what the heck was the matter with me. Why am I going back again and again? Um, but um, but the, the, this desire just doesn't doesn't come. And I hope that I'm going to be able to do this whole trip and, and come back safely because for a long time I haven't put myself out there where the desires are dancing around what I call the food parades. Um, and with all of you, I have all of you around me and I will bring back with you, all of you in all that long trip uh, to be with me that I don't, uh, that, that I will be able to maintain this not even desiring. Thank you so much for being there and have a good day, everybody. Thank you, Raquel. And I'd like to share, my name is Katie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and this is just such an important uh, these two paragraphs to combined, you know, on the other hand, and strange as this may seem to those who do not understand, once the psychic change has occurred, the very same person who seemed doomed, who had so many problems he despaired of ever solving them, suddenly finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol. And, you know, I didn't think that I would ever, ever live in neutrality with food. And the fact that I do today, and it's been a long time, and, you know, sometimes I can have this fleeting thought of maybe I'm making too big a deal out of this. Maybe, you know, I'm recovered and I could just handle, you know, to just just eat casually, just eat like a regular person like my family because I see them. They're all, my children and my husband are such normal eaters. It's just the weirdest thing. And so, you know, I'll have this fleeting thought. And then, by the grace of God, I'm immediately thrown back, like a catapult, back to the way it was when I was binging for a solid year uh, in these rooms. In these rooms, coming to meetings with food stains on my clothes, not able to And I get physically nauseated. And the thought... I am right now just thinking about it, and the thought is gone. It's like, no, (laughs) I am not. I'm the pickle who cannot go back to being a cucumber. I'm very grateful that, you know, I live with people who can have this food and have a little bit, and it goes bad, and they throw it away, and, you know, I throw away Easter candy at Thanksgiving, and I throw away Halloween candy in July, and, you know, it's just uh, the strangest thing. But um, I don't have to come to that. And that is a miracle. Because if people who knew me, you know, that many years ago would have never thought that I would um, would ever get this program. I was the uh, relapse girl. And I'm just so grateful because there's a solution in it for all of us. With that, I'll pass. And um, who else would like to share on this um, second paragraph we read this morning? Renata. Yes. And Janice M. Amy E. Paula D. Okay, okay, slow down. Renata. (laughs) I heard Daisy. I I heard Renata. I heard a Janice. Paula D. Um, Paula. Amy A. Amy something. E. E. Okay. Anybody else? Leia. Leia M. Stacy T. Can you hear me, Mary A. Okay, Mary A. Thank you. Okay, so I think it's Stacy P. Isn't Paula? T is in Tom. 
Oh, T is in Tom. Okay, well, that's going to be our lineup then. Maura Z. We have, oh, okay, Maura. We'll throw you in there too. Thank you. And hopefully we'll get to all of these. It's going to be pretty tight. Renata, Janice M, Paula D, Amy E, Leah M, Stacy T, Mary, I don't know, and Maura Z. Okay? So go ahead, Renata. Thank you, Katie. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata G, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. Thank you, God, for this program. Thank you, God, for this psychic change that has saved my life. You know, on the other hand, and strange as it may seem to those who do not understand, once a psychic change has occurred, the very same person who seemed doomed, myself, you know, struggling in this disease forever, who had so many problems he despaired ever solving them, suddenly finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol, the only effort necessary being that required to follow a few simple rules. And, you know, I want to talk about the psychic change as, you know, a, a, a behavioral change, a personality change sufficient to bring, a, bring about recovery. For example, one behavior for me that is so evident that has changed, like, you know, before going through the steps, I used to be such a dishonest person. I used to lie. I used to make up stories. I, w- I used to go places and say, you know, I made less money than, than, I usually ma- than I actually make so I could pay less for things. You know, I used to take advantage of people. So, like, I walked around and, you know, if I met someone on the street that I haven't seen in a while, I, you know, I was, my mind would go crazy. Like, what did I say to this person last time? Where was I? Like, what, you know, what story did I t- tell her? Or if I went places, I'm like, what did I say here? When? Where? How? And I had all that craziness going in my head. And, you know, food was just a symptom because I had all these behaviors, all these resentments, fears you know, self-centered, self-centeredness, and uh, I needed to use the food to cope, to stuff it down, to numb it out, so I wouldn't think of those thoughts, so I wouldn't think of those behaviors that I was so, so ashamed and felt guilty about. And so what if, you know, instead of having to use the food to cope with life, I could change and be honest? And so today, and that's what happened by working this step, you know, the, the lies, the harms that I've caused in my disease, I was able to clean all that up through the work of the steps. That's one through nine. And now, you know, leaving 10, 11, and 12, because I'm not perfect, but, you know, if I go off course, you know, step 10, 11, and 12 brings me back in alignment with my higher power, who teaches me how to live you know, an honest life. So wherever I go today, whomever I see on the street, I don't have to hide. I don't have to feel shame or guilt or anything. I'm free. And so, you know, like also like by doing step four, you know, I don't think I live in the world like that I'm on a war every day. It's different. Everything is different. My attitude towards life, towards God, towards my fellows, everything is different. And so the food has no appeal because the food has no job. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Renata. Janice, I'm up, and then Paula D. Well, thank you, Katie. 
Thank you, Katie, and everyone on the line. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Yeah, you know, the big word I see is powerlessness. It's written over these two paragraphs. You know, I'm powerless over the allergy, and I'm powerless over the over my mind, the obsession. But, you know, I want to just go over with that word we're like we all are doing. One says an entire... You know, my experience is that an entire psychic change. What's psychic? Psychic for me is my mind, right? But, you know, my mind, I try to talk to my mind a lot of times. This time it's going to be different. No, I need a little comfort. Maybe I'll try gambling now. Maybe I'll try this different food. You know, that's the psychic, trying myself to change my psychic, change my mind. I'm powerless over that. But the psychic also means... My soul, as it's been mentioned, in a spirit, a spirit other than me. You know, you go to the psychic and the psychic, you know, you think the psychic knows the future. So I have to experience this. You know, I can't make myself do this. I have to experience this. How do I experience it? How have, have I experienced it? You know, I experienced it through getting that power that did it for me. Because, I, you know, I seem doomed, you know, but that doesn't mean that I was, but I seemed doomed, not necessarily so. So if I know that I'm powerless over the twofold disease, the body, which is when I pick up the substance, the allergy starts, that's the body, and if I'm powerless over the mind, then I lack power. <laughs> and, okay, if I lack power, what do I have to do? Where am I going to get that power? so that I can change. So there is going to be a psychic change. And you know what? That's what it says here. You know, yeah, you're powerless, you seem doomed, but then you're not doomed because once you pick up these few simple rules, then you're going to find yourself, it says, we find himself easily able to control. Because I didn't do it to my mind because I can't. You know, we've heard a sick mind can't heal a sick mind. So I have to find that power. And with me, with me, it's not the only solution, but it was my solution uh, to this problem, was to find that power to do it for me and stay, you know, practicing these principles in all my affairs. And that's what I see here, that the drastic psychic change has to be the mind, the soul, and the spirit. And the spirit to me is my higher power. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you so much. And Paula D., you're up. And thank you, Katie, for your service today. And quite a lineup here as I'm listening. And my name is Paula D., and I am recovered. Compulsive overreader, by and with the grace of God. I'd like to just zero in first on that word change. And in this page, it's sprinkled throughout this page. Psychic change, psychic change, psychic change. But I'm just going to, we all know the psychic is the mind. But I, I'm going to first um, concur here with Mr. Webster to cause to turn from one state to another, to be altered. That's to be changed. Now, those are the words, and that's what it means. You know, now I'm going to just bring you behind these words and what it was to me, the very same person who seemed de- de- doomed, who's had so many problems. 
He disappeared of ever solving them. You know, we're coming to a, a time of year that's called trick-or-treat. Yeah, Lottie knows. And at one time, that was a high holiday for me. You say a holiday? Yeah, a high holiday. Oh, all the preparation. And I would make my little granddaughter walk because, oh, let's, let's fill that bag. And then I would put her to sleep, hoping she'd go to quick, sleep quickly so that I could go and look and seek and find the change. I help her with her costume today. I laugh with her. I share the joys with her. That's the change. My life has changed. It isn't outward circumstances anymore. It is within me. It's that is where we seem. And it uses that word, and I love that word. On the other hand, in strangers it may seem to those who do not understand. You don't have to understand. It's all right. But I'm going to go to the last part. To follow a few simple rules. This is when my ego had to be put in place. This is when I didn't break down and decipher the fourth step to a place where it had no place reason to be. My ego was building and biggling. If you knew what, you don't have to know what today. You don't have to know what. I can breeze through there and see it as it is. Look at it. No, I'm not living there and I'm living today. There, the psychic change. The ego depleted and put it in its place. Not lower, not higher. With that, I do pass. Thank you. And Amy E., you're up, and then Lam, and then I'm sorry, but Stacey T., Mary, and Maura Z., you'll have to wait for the second hour. Hopefully you can do that. Amy E. Good morning. It's Amy E. in Ohio, abstinent and grateful. Thank you very much, everybody. This has been a really insightful meeting. Um, I'm focusing on the word suddenly. Um, who seemed doomed, who doomed, who had so many problems he despaired of ever solving them, suddenly finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol. Sometimes um, I hear and have experienced myself this idea of like slowly growing into abstinence and slowly developing a willingness and slowly um, figuring out a, 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 an abstinent plan of recovery. And this is talking about suddenly. You know, it doesn't have to be years and years and years in the making. Relapse is not a requirement in Overeaters Anonymous. Page 42, uh, Fred's story. But the moment I made up my mind to go through the process, I had the curious feeling that my alcoholic condition was relieved, as in fact it proved to be. Page 56, the story of the minister's son. His alcoholic problem was taken away. That very night, years ago, it disappeared. I've been reading some of the um, stories in the back, which we don't get to because they're not part of the first 146 pages. And um, the first uh, batch of stories of the pioneers of AA, um, many of them talk about immediately feeling a sense of release once they decided, basically, step three, to make a decision to turn their will and their life over to the care of a God, God of their understanding. So this can happen quickly. It doesn't have to take years and years of relapse and struggle. It, it hinges on the desire to turn your will and your life over to a higher power. It hinges on making that decision in step three. Thanks, I pass. Thank you. Leah M., you're up. Thanks so much, Katie. Uh, 
on the other hand, and strange as this may seem to those who do not understand, you know, <laughs> the whole purpose of this meeting is to carry this great news that um, there is a way out of that bondage of compulsive overeating if you're still, you know, in that situation of misery. Um, and it is such a magical thing here, you know, that enables people of all different types. You've heard all different kinds of voices this morning, all different backgrounds, people who would normally not mix, uh, despite all the odds. We have, um, as a result of these steps, experienced change. And that was certainly the case for me. You know, when I came here, um, you know, I knew I was a compulsive overeater. I was taught what that meant. Um, what I didn't know is how to live in my house uh, with my husband, uh, go to my work, attend my school, live in myself, and not eat uh, to stand it. You know, not have to binge my brains out in order to be comfortable. Um, you know, Everybody else pointed to compulsive overeating as a problem. You know, uh, my parents, my physicians, my spouse, etc. cetera. Uh, to me, eating wasn't a problem for a long time. It was my solution. It was the glue that held me together. Because when I was abstinent, I was restless, irritable, and discontent. When I was abstinent, I was not comfortable. The steps, the process of these steps removed those character defects within me and allowed me to become a different person with a different uh, view of life. You know, I didn't have a rough time compulsively overeating. I knew how to do that very, very well. I had a rough time living. I had a rough time living. I am no longer the same person that I was when I crawled in here uh, decades ago. I, you know, I don't live the way I used to live. I don't feel the way I used to feel. I don't think the way I used to think. I don't speak the way I used to speak. I have been changed by this process of the steps. And the program of recovery, these 12 steps, have given me the principles uh, and these steps to make the changes within myself and within my attitude so that it's no longer necessary for me to look for some substance outside of myself to make me comfortable. This power has infiltrated in my life that gives me the stability and the uh, foundation and the soil, the roots. I'm rooted on different soil, on different ground. I used to look for substances for that stability. Today, a power greater than myself offers me that stability. I have no need to seek comfort elsewhere. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. And again, I'm sorry, but Stacey T, Mary, and Maura Z, if you want to stick around for the second hour. And thank you to everyone who has shared. Uh, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And we will now close this section with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Rachel and M, please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, good morning. This is Rachel N.M. I'm a thankful, recovered, compulsive overeater and anorexic from Ohio. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. 
God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.